Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about pain in the ball of the foot in runners caused by a condition called osteochondritis. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. If you're a runner and you have pain in the ball of the foot, there are really only a few conditions that could be causing the trouble. And this episode is going to be the third of a three-part series that explains all the things you need to think about if you're a runner seeking treatment for any of these problems. Now, Previously, we talked about pain in the ball of the foot caused by plantar plate sprains and neuromas. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about another condition which is in a similar location in the ball of the foot and can also cause pain in runners. So the condition we're going to talk about is called osteochondritis. And the name sounds fancy, but osteo means bone and chondral means cartilage and itis means inflammation. So osteochondritis technically means inflammation of the bone cartilage surface in a joint. And in terms of runners, though, really osteochondritis means that you have some damage to the cartilage in one of your joints in your little toes. Usually it's the the base of the second toe, right where the second toe meets the ball of the foot. And if you move it, it's painful because the cartilage is damaged and the joint's damaged in some way. And there are lots of different causes for osteochondritis. There's a condition called Freiburg's, which is often happens in, starts when you're a teenager from something like ballet, where, you know, teenage girls doing, uh, standing up on point in ballet class. And all of that force starts to cause damage to the ball of the foot and it cracks the bone and the cartilage starts to degenerate and the joint starts to get worse over time as the head of the cartilage and the bone underneath it starts to collapse. Now sometimes this begins when there's chronic inflammation in the joint and the joint's been repeatedly damaged and sometimes it's a thing where there's been a singular trauma event like you smash the toe kicking something and the cartilage gets damaged, the bone cracks underneath the cartilage and then the the bone starts to cave in and the cartilage starts to degenerate. Uh, But regardless of what the cause is, if you get this condition you have to do something about it or it continues to cause pain. So the Pain when you get osteochondritis, it is a little bit different than the other types of pain. For example, you know, doctors tell it apart by saying, well, well, you know, we ask you all these questions like, when does it hurt? What is it that you're doing that makes it worse? What does it feel like? And osteochondritis, since it's damaged to the joint surface, it hurts more when you use the joint. Now, that sounds silly, but it's true. So if you move the toe joint more, and you put force on the toe joint more, it hurts more. So if you're doing calf raises at the gym, you're doing hill repeats, you're doing an elliptical trainer, you're doing anything that causes a lot of motion at the toes and at the ball of the foot where you're standing up on the toes, this irritates the joint more and it hurts worse. Neuromas, they're different. So neuroma is a nerve issue, whereas osteochondritis is a joint issue. And with a neuroma, You have pain when you compress the nerve or when you're irritating the nerve with motion, even if it's pronation and natural motions in the foot, but the the discomfort is different. And people that have neuromas typically describe burning pain, radiating pain, or sort of a an aching numbness type sensation because it's damage to the nerve that's happening. Whereas osteochondritis, it just hurts in the joint when you move it. A lot of times patients will also say that they notice swelling in the joint. You don't really get swelling with a neuroma. Um, you can get swelling with a plantar plate sprain on the bottom of the on the second toe joint there. Uh, so it's in a similar location, but it is different. So the plantar plate really hurts just when you press on the plantar plate or if you stress the plantar plate in some way. Whereas osteochondritis hurts more if you compress the joint and you move the joint. So doctors tell the difference between these conditions in a number of ways. One of them is the physical exam. And I actually created a self-diagnosis course that walks people through this whole process. You can see what exactly doctors are pushing on, pulling on, manipulating, 
or whatever to reproduce your symptoms in a way that suggests you have one of these conditions over another. But there are other things other than the physical exam that the doctors will use to tell the difference. For example, x-rays can be very helpful. Neuromas do not show up on x-rays, but damage to the joint and osteochondritis will show up on an x-ray, particularly in the advanced stages. A plantar plate sprain may not directly show up on an x-ray, but it could show up in terms of a slight change in the position of the toe because that plantar plate sprain has weakened the, the ligament supporting the joint, and so the toe starts to move in a different direction. Now, it depends on where you are along this sort of spectrum of trouble uh, when you're trying to choose what you need to do to make it better. In the acute phase where it's just become inflamed and you have this whole itis thing happening where you have inflammation in the joint and it's becoming irritated, the simplest thing, of course, is to ice it. You can take anti-inflammatories like uh, ibuprofen or naproxen, but really just icing it can be very effective. You can also do contrast bath soaks where you're submerging the foot completely in cold water, then hot water, then cold water, and hot water, and so on, alternating hot and cold in order to really flush out the inflammatory fluid and decrease the blood flow in that area to decrease the inflammation. If it's an acute inflammatory phase and it's really the tissue lining the joint that's causing the pain, this can actually reduce your symptoms quite a lot. You have to do other things to try to decrease the stress and irritation of the joint. One of the key things is to run on flat ground. If you're running up hills, you're doing lots of hill repeats, or you just happen to like to run on trails through the mountains, well, the more that you run on on uphill slopes, the more you're going to stress the joint, compress the joint, and irritate the damaged cartilage and bone within that joint. So if you can run on flat ground, that will help. Now, by the same token, another thing that you can do that's really simple that can also be very helpful is to try to shorten your stride. You're listening to the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Is it possible to keep running even if I have a stress fracture? How can I tell if I really have a neuroma without seeing a doctor? How can I tell if I have a stress fracture without getting x-rays? What can I do to help my plantar plate heal without losing all of my fitness? What are all the tricks Dr. Segler uses with elite athletes to keep them running? Whenever I see a runner in person, I walk them through the diagnosis process and I actually show them how to figure out whether they have a plantar plate sprain or a neuroma or a stress fracture. Then I just show them how to reduce the stress on that one injured structure so you can stay active and get back to running and not lose all your fitness. After sitting down with individual runners over and over guiding them through this process, I realized I could just put the same information in a video course and show you exactly how I do this so you can do the same thing right now in your own home. This course taught me exactly how I could tell whether or not I had a plantar plate sprain. This course showed me how I could decrease the stress on my metatarsals so I could keep working out. When my doctor told me I needed to stop running, I knew that was crazy. The Ball of Foot Pain course helped me look at it differently so I could keep running. Sign up for the Ball of Foot Pain course for runners so you can get back to running. All right, welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. And another thing that you can do that's really simple, it can also be very helpful, is to try to shorten your stride. So if you're running with shorter strides, when your foot gets behind you and it's not as far behind you, then your heel doesn't come as far up off of the ground and you don't put as much pressure on the joint surface when you're pushing off to run. That can really make a big difference if you have osteochondritis. So for some people who want to continue to run, really just trying to shorten the stride may be one of the key things that's sufficient to reduce the amount of discomfort and will let them actually continue to run and not have to have these dramatic interventions that we'll talk about later. So Another thing that you can do, it's a pretty simple thing, is to try to do something to decrease the motion in the toes. And the simplest thing is stiff shoes. So if you're wearing shoes that have a four foot 
uh, under the ball of the foot is much stiffer and it's less pliable, then it actually decreases some of the motion through the toes and it can help this calm down. For example, hokas um, are built with an active foot frame and although hokas are considered to be, you know, maximalist shoes and a lot of people think of them as just big cushy shoes, that's really not true at all. They're they're really interesting shoes and they actually have a an active foot frame built into them that has this stiff meta rocker in the forefoot that really does decrease the motion through the forefoot and can make a huge difference for patients that have osteochondritis who are continuing to run. Also, you can stiffen the shoes by putting uh, something in the shoes that just makes the shoe inherently stiffer. For example, I often see patients that have similar issues and um, I will make a tracing of the uh, inside of the shoe where the foot goes in the bottom of the footbed, and we then actually have a carbon fiber insert custom made for the shoe that is cut out and trimmed to fit underneath the insert in the shoe, and that carbon fiber adds stiffness and inherent stability to the shoe, and although it's not really a true custom orthotic, it does stiffen the shoe enough that it decreases some of the motion throughout the toes and can decrease irritation of these joints that are being damaged in the process of osteochondritis development. So, that's a simple thing, but it can make a big difference to people who are trying to run with osteochondritis. Now, the next thing that doctors recommend is probably custom orthotics. And the idea with custom orthotics is that, you know, we can manipulate the way the joints and the, the foot is actually hitting the ground. And so we make a custom mold of your foot, make a reproduction of your foot, and then build the orthotic device on that reproduction of your foot in order to try to stabilize the joints in the foot and decrease the pressure, particularly at that joint that's been damaged with osteochondritis. So in that case, in most cases, it means that there's offloading or removing pressure from the second metatarsophalangeal joint, which is the one that most often develops this condition. So custom orthotics, though, you know, I've talked about this before, they're great for people if nothing else will work, but I don't think they're they're necessary or essential for most runners. In fact, I think most runners can get better with most conditions without custom orthotics. Uh, but when you need them, they can be extremely helpful. Many doctors will also recommend different types of injections for osteochondritis. So if technically all you have is inflammation in the joint, then something like a cortisone injection or a corticosteroid injection into that joint can reduce all the inflammation, reduce the swelling, reduce the inflammation, and just shut off all that irritation in the joint, and that can cause a huge amount of relief. Now, it depends on where you are in that continuum. So if it's acute inflammation, this is very effective. Unfortunately, most patients with acute inflammation don't go to see doctors. They kind of wait and wait and wait, and it doesn't get better. And then once it's become a chronic problem, and it seems like it's not going away, is when a lot of runners will actually go to the doctor and then seek treatment. If you inject it at that point, it's actually less effective than it is in the very early stages. So you know, your doctor may offer it to you, but there's risk with that because if you inject the joint and you have any little damaged areas to the cartilage where the cartilage is split, cracked, torn, ripped, anything, then the cartilage may actually weaken and tear more, which could make things worse. And if you've actually cracked the bone underneath the cartilage and the cartilage hurts because you're sort of trampolining and the cartilage is sort of spongy and pushing up and down when you walk on it and move the joint, then the corticosteroids can weaken the, the cartilage in the joint, and then it may actually tear and cause a bigger problem. So I'm not a necessarily a huge fan of corticosteroid injections, but there is one circumstance where I think it works. Let's say you've had a lifelong goal of qualifying for Boston, and then after years of trying, you finally get in, and you really just want to go do the race. You don't really care that much. You're kind of overrunning anyway. You know, you just don't want to do any more marathons. You just always wanted to do Boston. Well, in that case, 
if we inject the joint just to calm it down so you can make it through the race, it is effective. But you have to realize that there is risk with that because injecting the joint with corticosteroids can sort of weaken the cartilage and the joint supporting structures. And you could, in fact, address the acute inflammation or the, the inflammation at that time, but then you might weaken the joint supporting structures enough that you end up with sort of a, um, a plantar plate sprain just because you've weakened the inside of the joint capsule. That is possible too. So it's not a cure-all with corticosteroid injections, even though you'll hear all the time about professional athletes being injected with cortisone and then just continuing to play. It's not always the best approach, but it can be right in certain circumstances. The other injections that you'll hear about are uh, PRP injections, which is platelet-rich plasma. That's an injection where we actually draw the blood out of your arm, I spin it down in a centrifuge, and separate the platelets that basically have all of the factors you need to stimulate wound healing of, of all different types. And it actually increases the development of stem cells in that area when you inject PRP as well. So there is some thought that PRP injections may be helpful when you inject them into these joints that are developing osteochondritis in order to help heal that area where you've had damage. Similar injection is stem cells. So we can take stem cells, inject them into the joint, and stem cells basically can turn into any type of cell, and they may really speed healing in these joints. But for this particular condition, there aren't any big studies that show that it's foolproof or that it's even proven, and but it's still something that what your doctors may offer to you. It's just one of those sort of advanced treatments that's in the process of being studied, but it seems like there's a lot of promise for both PRP injections and stem cell injections. We're just waiting for more studies to actually show that that pans out. Now, the other thing, of course, is surgery. So if you don't improve with any of these things, it's not hard to find a doctor that will recommend surgery because the joint looks terrible on x-ray. So when you have an x-ray and the doctor is showing you all this bone spurring that happens around the joint and how the joint's damaged, it becomes pretty easy to become convinced that you might need surgery. The most common surgeries for this are just to clean up the joint, where we actually go in, remove the bone spurring that's happened around there, try to get some new cartilage to grow into those little damaged areas. Or if the joint's really destroyed, we might try a joint replacement or a cartilage transplant in order to put some new cartilage into that area. There are some synthetic joint implants that also can uh, replace the joint, but if you're a runner who likes to do lots of hills and lots of trails, those joint implants can fail. So you've got to make sure that you're getting the right choice if you're considering surgery. Now, the other thing to think about is like, you know, when you go talk to your doctor, what you really have to discuss with them. And doctors will most often have treatments that they like to do. And it's sort of the way that we're just trained in the United States. It's just, we're taught to treat certain conditions in certain ways. And when a doctor looks at your x-rays and it looks terrible, it's very difficult for them to not think, well, let's just do surgery to fix this. Let's just make it look better on the x-rays. But you don't really care about that. You care about activity. So I really believe that when you're a runner, it's actually more important to you than the average person that you choose the best treatment. And surgically repairing the joint is not always the best choice if you want to keep running. But once you've made that choice to have surgery, you can't go back because the rules have changed. The anatomy is different. So above all else, you have to really make sure that your doctor understands that you're a runner and you want to keep running. If you really want your doctor to understand where you're coming from, then Try to explain to them in great detail the, the types of races you run, what sort of training you do, what surfaces you run on, what kind of training plan you're currently on, and what your goals are. Not just to make the pain go away, but you know, tell your doctor if you have a goal of running bad water or the Boston Marathon or something like that, or Western States 100, whatever it is that you want to run, you have to make sure that your doctor understands that that's really your goal. You have to get your doctor to work with you and focus on your 
activities and maintaining your activities as opposed to just thinking about what might be the best treatment in that doctor's hand for that given condition. Because most doctors, they think about that and they're thinking about what's wrong with you and how to fix it. They're not really thinking directly about will this or will this not help you continue to run. So if you can do that, if you can make your doctor understand that you really want to keep running and take that into consideration, then you both can work together and determine which treatment is going to be right for you. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.